listening to the Inside Job Making CX Work podcast, where we share how you can make customer experience transformation a reality. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of Inside Job Making CX Work. I'm your host, Jose Fabrion. And in this episode, we're going we're gonna to talk about getting started with data transformation with my friend, Galen Almeida. Galen and I uh, work together on several projects, and she is uh, definitely an expert in this area. And I'm really looking forward to, to the podcast. So, Galen, if you wouldn't mind, give us a little uh, background on yourself, please. Sure. Uh, thanks, Jose. As uh, I am, uh, at, I've been part of Merkle for seven years. And before that, I've been greatly embedded in the data space. I've been doing data stuff for about 20 years. And so I'm very excited to talk about how data is going to be used to enable you know, better customer experiences uh, and more specifically about why the entire paradigm around data is, is um, you know, shifting and, and data transformations are required in organizations. That's great. And so, you know, Galen, you and I have the, the pleasure of working together uh, in several different areas. But, you know, as we <clears throat> think about data transformation, to me, it's like a really big phrase. So at Merkle, you know, the way that we think about customer experience transformation is that you need a data transformation and you need to transform your digital experiences for that full customer experience transformation to occur. But really, like, you know, let's start broadly with this. What, what, what is data transformation? What does that mean? Um, so I'm going to start by quoting verbatim from our imperatives for 2021, where we say that data transformation is the privacy-safe acquisition management analysis and activation of data that informs your customer experience in real time. And so there's a lot of words in there. And if we start to unpack that a little bit, I think the things that are driving data transformation is the fact that the volume, the complexity, the type of data that you need to manage is, is, is increasing and changing. And the fact that, um, you know, data needs to be integrated across platforms, uh, the choices that you make about data platforms, should it be in the cloud, um, you know, should it be on-prem, where do different capabilities exist? All of these things are important and they're they're driving a need for knowing and understanding more about your data. And so bringing all of that together um, requires a shift in, in how data is being organized and managed. Um, and so in the past, you know, data was built more for analytics and you had batch types of campaigns and much of that is changing, which is really pushing the need for uh, transforming, transforming data and transforming how we approach and manage data. Thanks. And so it sounds like we need to be a lot faster in terms of our data. What, what types of data are we, are we talking about when we talk about data transformation? Um, so there's... If you think of data, so first of all, you know, you want to know more about your customer and, and there's a lot involved there for a couple of reasons. One, with different uh, brands or different industries, you know, you look at first party data in terms of what do I know about a customer? What is this customer profile made up of? So, for example, if you are a bank, you want to know what kinds of accounts does this customer have? What types of balances do they have across different types of accounts? If you are a retail customer, you might want to know what is this customer's order history or what are their preferred products and so on and so forth. So that's one element of customer data, which is the profile and what you know about a customer. 
The second aspect of customer data is the behavioral aspect of customer data. How is this, how are you as a brand interacting with the customer and how is that customer reciprocating? So for example, you send an email, do they open it? Do they click through and come to your site? Are they calling your call center? You know, how often are they calling your call center? How much time are they spending? Like all of those things make up the nature of data that you need to know about your customer. And what's different in marketing and actually makes it more complex is that it's unpredictable. You don't know how your customer is going to interact with your brand. You don't know uh, what they might do next or how. And and part of what we're trying to solve for is take away some of those we don't knows by anticipating customer needs and actually being a little more proactive in some ways in how we interface with them. And so, you know, bringing together the, the, the profile of the customer with the customer behavior and interactions is, uh, and then building analytics on top of it. So then you have a third element of data about the customer, which is the models that you build about them, I think are like the three primary elements of what customer data is comprised of. Okay, that's great. And so if we've got all these different data, we've got real-time data flow, we've got customer profiles, we've got the transaction history, we've got predictive mm-hmm. data about them. Why, why is all this stuff important? Like, what do, what do we do with it? Great, we have more data, it's faster, you know, so what? Yeah, um, so I think the first thing, or I wouldn't, I wouldn't really give them any order of importance, but one of the things that's driving all this is the idea of personalization. So we talked about reaching the customer where they where you're most likely to get them to engage. That's one element of personalization, right? Right place, right time, right message. This is often repeated, but but it's data that drives that to, to deliver to the customer sometimes even before they know what they want, like a, a product recommendation engine, for example, is one aspect of personalization. So that's one thing that, you know, why um, the data transformation is important. I think the other things, and I think there are, five, I talked about personalization. Uh, The fact that we talked about volume and complexity, scalability, you have so much data now. And so moving that to the cloud so that organizations don't have to manage or worry about infrastructure and, you know, what if I need uh, more bandwidth or what if I need faster processing, all of that, when you move the data to the cloud, I think that's the element, the second element of why data transformation is important. Uh, The third thing is privacy. Um, So knowing how, knowing data about your customer at an individual level is, is um, critical because from a GDPR and CCPA perspective, someone might say, tell me everything you know about me or erase everything you know about me, or I don't want personalized experiences. And if you cannot know who your customer is at an individual level, you can't do, you can't comply. And so that's, you know, I would say like the third reason that data transformation is important. And then um, some things that are a little more, um, you know, existed before, but they don't go away is analytics, Uh, machine learning, artificial intelligence is a new aspect of analytics, but all of, you know, that also needs a large amount of data. And so that's another reason why um, the transformation is important. And finally, um, I want to talk about democratization of data. So everybody and every platform needs data, and it's not restricted to a few individuals or a few parts of your ecosystem. And so, you know, again, how we think about data and how we integrate it is is really important. 
Thanks. Well, that was a you kind of you kind of blew my mind there a little bit with the privacy piece. I'd never really thought about this idea that to really comply with regulations, we actually have to have all these data and they have to be fast. I mean, it's it's just one component of data transformation, but one you know that is critical from a risk perspective. Yes. The, the other one that you mentioned, which I, I you know, I, I kind of go in and out on, honestly, is this idea of personalization. So mm-hmm. personalization sounds interesting, right? I think yeah. it's something that we all aspire to, right? Personalization isn't the, isn't a goal. It's a means to an end mm-hmm. when we think about a better, better customer experience. How do we, is there a way to show value of this data transformation to the enterprise? You know, similar to the way that when we talk about personalization, you know, you have to pr- in my view, you have to prove the incremental value of personalization uh, yeah. because it can be a costly endeavor. So how, how does one show value here? Yeah, so I think sometimes showing the value of data in a very specific business case approach is challenging to organizations because data is so foundational to everything. And there are so many experiences that are driven by data that if an organization tries to tie it into one specific aspect, it becomes a little hard. But what I find is most valuable is some of the intangible aspects of value that that are, for example, you talked about a better customer experience because it's driven by data. Um, you talk about things like risk. Um, you know, you you have lower risk if you have a higher quality of data, and we already talked about compliance risk. If you're not compliant, you're going to have to pay fines. Uh, you have reputation risk if you're not accurate in how you present data to your customers. Uh, you know, it, and that data is not consistent across all different platforms. That that's no good. Um, and then, you know, sometimes in the case of financial institutions, you have other types of risk like fraud detection and so on, and uh, or someone's going to default on a loan or someone might be about to you know move to another credit card and you'd be surprised at how much you can derive from data that can inform you of all these things so um, you know so risk uh, is one aspect of value um, I think operational efficiency is another aspect of of having the right data so think about analytics and data scientists and how much you pay data scientists. I know uh, from personal experience, one of our clients that highly paid and highly skilled data scientists spend three months trying to just stitch data together across different platforms. And so if it's taking you three months to stand up a single model, that's a huge loss in operational efficiency. And so there's efficiency to be gained from having your data transformed and organized uh, correctly. I think Agility in creating new experiences. We talked about personalization, but again, speaking from experience uh, with one of my clients, it took them six months to get one data element in order to drive uh, a personalized experiences. So imagine if you extrapolate that across, you know, multiple experiences, what what you um, what you have to do. And so what's happening is customers are investing in really sophisticated front-end platforms. Like, oh, I have a state-of-the-art email or I have um, state-of-the-art content management system to build my website. But there comes a point where you don't have the data. And so that's another aspect of having data transformation and and the value that you get out of it is that you can scale quickly in, in creating new experiences. And then... I think the final thing is the more tangible one where you can use data 
to actually measure outcomes, right? So you are um, like, what is the ROI on my investment of running this new campaign? Uh, how can I build an attribution model or, um, you know, who is my most valuable customer? Those are some of the database decisions that you can make. And so all of these, I think, three or four things that I talked about are the value that you can get out of data. So, and and to me, I think like operational efficiency is is one of the most uh, unspoken things that people don't even even realize where there's so much manual processing being done to, to derive any kind of experience uh, that, that um, you know, having data can just, like I said, give you the agility in being able to do that. Wow. So there's a lot there, Galen. So I was expecting kind of a, a, a smaller answer, but you came back with uh, risk in terms of value, reduction of risk. You talked about the ability to basically be more efficient and then kind of more importantly, with all the monies being spent in terms of kind of front end platforms and, and kind of the experiential components, really having the data to power that, right? And so those all become elements of, of, of value for this, this data transformation. So uh, that, that's awesome. So, you know, my, my view is like, we've, we've talked a lot about a kind of the, I would say the theory of data yeah, transformation, exactly. yep. you know, um, you know, I, I tend to be a little bit more practical in, in the way that I like to look at things. So if, if I'm a marketer, let's say, like, what do I need to do? What do I, like, how do I act? What do I, what do I do? Yeah. Uh, that's a good question. So as a marketer, I think what I'm going to say is let's separate out, uh, you know, the, 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 the use of data versus the structure and management of data, right? So as a marketer, the first thing that you need to do is you need to own the data. And so like, what does that mean? Uh, so owning the data means understanding like, how are you going to use this data? And some of the I don't want to use the word epic fail, but I am going to use it. Some of the epic fails I've seen has been where marketing doesn't have too much ownership of the data. They they hand over the entire building of the marketing, quote unquote, marketing database to IT. And it's not a partnership. So in order to succeed, the first thing that marketing needs to do is understand that you are the owner of this data and your you know, your developers in your IT department are enablers, right? So, so that's like the first thing. Um, the second thing that, that marketers need to do, I think, is just um, make the onboarding and acquisition of data less daunting. Um, going back to my earlier example where I said it took people six months to, to get one data element available, how do you build a system that's that's scalable that no matter what types of data you put you you bring to it um, you can onboard that data really easily so um, as an example Merkle has we can stand up Merkle can stand up a database for a customer like an analytic database in about eight to twelve weeks probably ten to twelve weeks I would say um, because we've you know factored in the idea of data accelerators so that you can uh, very quickly ingest data into a database and, and make that available to all the platforms that need it. So just to summarize it, you know, marketing, owning and understanding what data they need and how they want to use it. And then having their IT departments help them enable that is the first thing. And then second of all, when the IT departments start to build out these marketing 
constructs. I'm not going to call it a database because you know there's more than just a database involved. Um, they have to build processes in place so that they are reusable, they're scalable, and um, data can be brought into the database really quickly. So those are like the two things, and you know I can go on further, but I'll just see if you have any other questions around that, and then we can we well, can talk a little bit more. Well, I, th I think the, the whole concept that marketing owns the data could be a little controversial, depending on uh, what company you're talking about. Right. Uh, cer certainly the point is that marketers are the ones that need to use those data, and they need to work with their IT partners to make sure that the, the data supports the business side of that, I think, is, is kind right. of the, the key points there. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think, look, you know, it's one of the things that that I would say is, OK, so if we know what to do, what what shouldn't we do? Like what like what what are the mistakes you see people make or what are the big challenges you really need to consider? And how how does one, frankly, get to doing this quickly? Because a lot of this can sound like a lot of stuff, you know? Yeah. Uh, like how do you get how do you start doing that? How do you how do you do? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I think. From a challenges perspective, um, there's an alphabet soup of acronyms out there, right? There's a CDP, there's a DMP, there's the cloud. And so just eliminating some of the confusion around that is, is one of the biggest challenges, um, you know, how, and I think the way to do that is to recognize that there is no in today's world, like you do want to have a single source of truth of what your customer profile needs to be. But then you have the fact that that data is then going to be disseminated across multiple platforms, each purpose built for what it needs to do, right? And so recognizing that and understanding that different capabilities may exist in different platforms and the data still needs to come together is a challenge, but yet the understanding of that challenge is makes a big difference for, for you know, as, as customers, uh, as clients start to think about data. I think the second challenge, we talked about, you know, data ownership earlier about marketing owning data, and rightly you said that it is controversial because I think sometimes people have their little five tips, like I own this data, I'm going to manage it. Either nobody else should have access to it or you know, if you do have access to it, I'm going to really tightly control how that happens, uh, which is not taken away from governance. But I think just data not being very democratized is is probably uh, another challenge. Um, um, as far as mistakes go, I think looking at data as silos is one of the big mistakes. So even now, as I look at clients, they say, oh, this is you know my uh, sales view of the world. This is my marketing view of the world. This is my uh, servicing view of the world. And each of those systems are built in isolation. And the architects don't always talk to each other. The developers don't talk to each other. Even like the business analyst or the teams that are managing uh, these platforms from a business side are looking at things in silos. And I think you know, the customer doesn't care. They don't care whether they're talking to sales or, you know, just last week I was uh, looking at an offer on a website and I had to call their call center in order to fulfill that order. And if there was no transparency there between platforms, that would have been a really poor experience for me. And so from a mistake perspective, I think what we want to tell our clients is stop 
not stop, but start thinking about data from from a customer centric lens. And and that means looking at all your platforms, you know, in in unison. Um, and then the the final challenge I think that I have seen. Oh, it's not the final, but one more is the matter of setting priorities and budget. So I was at a client a few months ago, and and they said, why does it seem like we've heard the story before? You know, it's like people talk about data and the challenges around data, and it it doesn't seem to go away. And the reason for that is there's many reasons for it, but one of them is, again, talking about just the fact that customer expectations are changing and the fact that in the past, you were engaging with your customer on one platform, probably direct mail, then you started email. There are no limits now to how a customer can engage with you. They can they can come to you from different brands, uh, sorry, they can come to you in different channels, you can reach them in different channels. And the expectation is all of those have to be seamlessly integrated. And so in in order to do that, going back to the question of, you know, clients don't want to keep spending the money. So the priority and the budgets around data, I think, are one of the big challenges. Like I said, you spend a lot of money on state-of-the-art platforms and and, uh, you're not focusing on data. That that makes a lot of sense. It it does come down to, haven't we tried to tackle this before? I mean, it feels like this has been going on for years. And it just, as you were talking, it made me think, boy, weren't, you know, didn't data lakes come up, you know, several years ago as kind of the the kind of way to solve a lot of these things? And then, you know, the the different marketing clouds that are out there um, say they solve a lot of things. I mean, like, you know, it's it's a really good point about, you know, haven't we tried to solve this before? And so as we think about what goes forward here, right, so there's this, what we've got, what I hear you say is that we've got kind of new, new regulatory um, requirements. We've got Mm -hmm. new consumer expectations, right? We've got greater, if you will, computing, which is kind of boring, but it's, it's reality. We've got greater computing power now. So we, we, we have the ability to kind of, if you will, broadly transform how we use our data. And that is, it sounds like that's starting with marketing saying, this is how I want to use it. And then having these things really kind of come together uh, across all the different parts where they where they have been built historically, maybe in silos to meet a particular need. But now we're at the point where all these things really need to come together. Is that kind of it? Yeah, I think that sums it up perfectly. And, um, you know, technology is not, uh, it, it's a means to an end, right? So having the right business use cases behind everything that you're doing is also one of the key uh, things to focus on. Like you can't just go and stand up data in a vacuum. You really have to understand what you're doing and why you're doing it. Right. Yeah. And then, so as we kind of, you know, think about this, what are, for marketers, what are kind of the guiding principles they should think about as they, they think through this? Um, so, yeah, I think there's, uh, I talked already about use cases, right? So that to me would be the first guiding principle is really know and have use cases, but then as you're starting to design systems, you can't be short-sighted about it and say, okay, these are my six use cases. I'm going to you know, build data for these use cases. So it's it's sort of a balance between saying, what are my priority use cases for my short-term solution, but yet 
everything that I build has to be scalable so that if I start with six, but I blow out to a hundred, I can, I can do that, right? So to me, that's the first guiding principle is understand the business outcomes that you want from your data, which is then going to tell you what data you need and how it needs to be organized. So that's like guiding principle number one. Uh, the second guiding principle, going back to what I spoke about, you know, in terms of scalability is the platforms that you're going to use. Uh, and so there's, there's the cloud and you, we know that you know, you've got Microsoft, Google, AWS, those are the key cloud players today in the market from, a, from the whole uh, platform as a service perspective. And so being able to move and migrate your data into those platforms that are scalable but then also using the, the software as a service uh, platform, such as you know the, the Adobe's and the Salesforce's that are providing you um, software also that is that is scalable and reusable. And so I think that's sort of the, that's the second guiding principle. And then the third guiding principle is more around, I would say, a design concept or premise. And I'm going to you know bring up this concept of of a, of a data fabric and when you think of the data fabric um it's 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 an ideology of saying that you know all data is interconnected there's threads that have to weave together and at least that's how i think of it and why i think it's called the data fabric but there are certain design principles that you then apply with this data fabric that that you know you have um the data lake, as you mentioned, being the core of where you bring data together so that it's easily accessible and has the right governance, et cetera, around it. But then you also have uh, you know, business consumption of that data. And it's really important to separate out those two. And I think that's a key guiding principle because oftentimes people will try to make their data lake a place where you, you enforce business rules, but then if your business rules change or different brands need to use that data differently. So I'll give you an example, right? If you have, let's say something as simple as in a financial institution, account balances or assets under management, right? Your risk department needs to use that probably very different from your marketing department, even though those are both analytics. But having the data in the data lake is what I would call like the core functionality of bringing the data together. And then each business unit applies their own business rules. So that to me is another one of the fundamental guiding principles. So just to like sum up those guiding principles, I'll say having the use cases, figuring out the platforms where you want to store and persist and manage your data. And then the third thing is organizing your data based along the premise or the precepts of, of the data fabric are, are the guiding principles of, of managing data and transforming how you're using it. That's great. And so I'm going to throw, you, throw out a question to you, Gail, that's, that for some people is going to be a bit of a, you know, uh, a third rail, if you will. But so I, I hear a lot of talk about identity, right? Yeah. Identity, mm -hmm. identity, identity. Uh, you know, historically, it's been uh, something that you know we've done uh, in databases called CDI for mm -hmm. 30 years type of thing. But identity now clearly goes beyond just the kind of the direct marketing and, and, and that sort of those sort of use cases. Like is, is identity an important component to data transformation? 
Absolutely. It is it is one of the and I should have put it as the fourth pillar of my guiding principles, but uh, it is it is the key for, for so many reasons. One is, uh, you know, personalization, right? You can't personalize an experience unless you know who that individual is. And so you're looking at identity, not just like you said, in the old days, we had CDI, we were very direct mail focused. So you got a bunch of PII, you brought together information, you know, prospects, you purchase data. You said, okay, this is John Smith. He lives at 123 Main Street, and that was his identity. But if you look at it today, you're, you're looking at John Smith at 123 Main Street. He has seven email addresses. He has six devices. He has seven is an exaggeration, but it's not too much of a stretch sometimes. Um, you know, he has three phone numbers. And, and so, oh, he, and, and he's coming to you in the mobile app, he's visiting your brand through the website. You need to know that individual across every single touch point. And so identity has scaled from a, from knowing John Smith at his physical address to knowing John Smith across um, all his different devices and, and email addresses, et cetera. I, and, yeah. I, I thought CDPs were going to solve that problem, Galen? Um, a CDP can solve for some of it. It's, it's but, a joke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, CDP is everything in the kitchen sink. But no, I, I mean, I'm not joking when I say it can solve for some of it, but not all of it, right? You still, and the reason I say it is because we're taking, we're looking with privacy and the death of the third party cookie, we're almost going back a little bit old school where PII and what you know and the first party data you have about your customers becoming even more critical and important. And so when I said, but the CDP may be able to solve for some of the digital aspects of recognizing people across browsers and devices, it's still not solving for like the core PII driven side of things, right? So, so work still has to be done to know that John Smith is John Smith and he's not just cookie ID one, two, three on browser X. Right. Okay. And, and so, yeah, so, so identity is, is the basis for personalization, for privacy, for, for so many reasons. All right. So we've, we've covered a lot, Galen. We've, mm -hmm. we've talked about how, how people should think about data transformation. We've talked about kind of the, the to-dos and not to-dos. We've talked about the role of identity in terms of data transformation. One of the, one of the, you know, pieces of work that I've personally been involved with, with, which doesn't, in my opinion, get enough um, kind of lip services, is the idea of, of data governance and how it plays a role in, mm -hmm. this, in this data transformation. What, what, I'll give you my thoughts, or you can give me your thoughts. What, what do you think? Um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's very important, right? Because you don't want to have the Wild West. So oftentimes when, 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 when we talk, even when I talked about the data fabric and you have, let's say, the construct of a data lake and having centralized data that's accessible to everyone, um, it really isn't in some ways. Because if you have the right kind of governance, yes, the data is centralized, but there are there's security around that. So if you think of governance, there's the security element of it in terms of who has access to what data and at what grain of data, uh, what, what subject areas of data. Um, 
there's the concept of having the right standards. So when we talked about earlier, I said, you know, there's all these different platforms and there's capabilities that exist in different platforms. Who's establishing and managing what happens where and how the data is then disseminated across all those different platforms. I think that's a really important element of data governance. And then the third thing I can think of is, um, you know, you don't want your data lake to be a data swamp, meaning data goes in there and nobody knows what it is or how to get at it. So having the right data dictionary or the right kind of search on top of any kind of data that you bring together, I think is, is uh, the third and probably, as you said, often overlooked element of even data governance is just knowing what data exists and where and why it has to be used. Um, so those are the three things I can think of that are really critical and important. I've never heard that term data swamp before. I love it. Uh, <laughs> and, and certainly there are certainly some data swamps out there. I, I, the, the only thing I would add, Galen, from my own experience is that as more companies attempt to be more data driven, yeah. the data that, that they rely on to do whatever it is, whether, whether it's reporting or whether it's marketing or whatever it is, needs to be accurate. And data governance helps uh, drive accountability yep, of absolutely. who owns yep. which pieces of data so that if there is an issue, uh, it's very clear who to whom to go yes. and who, you know, who needs to fix those sorts of things. Yeah, because when idea of data, data are moving fast, yeah. you, know, you need to know who, who owns that piece of data. And so, um, all right, well, that that's great. So. Yeah, I think yeah. I can add to that just one really quick yeah, point when we talked about like the guiding principles, right? Um, again, when we talk about data lake, I think what we also want to talk about when I, while I did say that each team owns and manages its business rules to your point about like having data that's accurate, there are certain elements of data that are going to be conformed across the enterprise. For example, in a bank, like account balances, right? You can't you can't have different business Galen, rules around what is my may, account balance. Yeah. May I in interrupt you? What does conformed yeah. data mean? Yeah, uh, the, I think when I, good question. Uh, so when I say conformed data, I mean like certain elements of data uh, have to be conformed across the enterprise. And I'm using the word to explain the word, but the business rules across that don't change across the enterprise. So again, in a bank account balances, no matter whether you're looking at risk or you're looking at customer lifetime value, or you're looking at any kind of analytics or reporting or whatever that you want to do across a, about a customer, that's something that's conformed across the enterprise. So that's what I mean by conformed data. Thank you. <laughs> um, but yeah, and that has to be governed and that has to be owned. And you have to know, you know, if something's amiss, who do you go to to ask the questions? Awesome. All right. So if we think about <clears throat> what we've covered today, we've talked about data transformation, data transformation being a critical component to customer experience transformation when matched with digital transformation. I feel like we say transformation a lot. <laughs> uh, so, you know, as as listeners need to, to think about it, the key things that I would pull out from everything that we've talked about is that Companies need to think about the data they have in a broader sense. Think about it, yes, for marketing, uh, for compliance, for efficiency. Mm -hmm. Those data need to be accessible and fast, which we call 
democratization, right? right. Uh, identity is really at the core of this so that we, because I think you said it beautifully, which is if you can't identify a person, you can't actually tailor the experience to right. them, right? Um, like this goes, you know, your normal normal life. If you don't, if you can't see a person, you can't necessarily um, tailor your approach to them. So right, I think the the one big thing also is the real time element of it, right? Like until five six years ago everything happened in batch. You ran this big overnight process and people were pretty happy with what they got and, and when they woke up in the morning, but that's not enough anymore. And I think that's a key thing is having, you know, services and APIs that's just moving data very quickly between systems. And, and that's one of the big challenges that, that exists today. Absolutely. And, and you and I see it uh, up close in a project that we're working on together. So, <laughs> exactly. um, so we, we definitely know that. So, okay, well, great. Thanks so much to Galen. We've covered a lot today from identity to governance and the roles that come into play there. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next time as we continue exploring the customer experience transformation journey.